enforcement officer or local government employee? Want to make sure you are executing the laws in a constitutional manner? Are you a city council member, township board member, or state legislator? Want to ensure the laws you pass are constitutional? Perhaps you are a citizen who wants to know the proper limits on government and the protections for your God-given liberties. Regardless of your role, call me, Constitutional Catherine, with your constitutional questions during our live call-in show, December 12th at noon Eastern Standard Time, at the phone number listed on the screen. And remember, together we can restore freedom. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry. Welcome to uh, Season 3, Episode 22 of Restore Freedom Weekly. We've been uh, constantly trying to change and improve what we are doing to bring information to you that's relevant on the law and the Constitution and can better enable and empower you to fight for freedom. Um, I can't do anything about some of these technical glitches that we're having. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see chat anywhere, but um, okay. Um, finally, it's working. Good to know. Uh, anyway, Amy, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, hello to uh, the other one of the other uh, legs to our tripod of freedom we have here, uh, Lori. Uh, let me see here. Um, just want to make sure it sounds like we're all good and up and running. Uh, hello to John. I don't know if you're in a different time zone, but I'm going to say good afternoon to you since it's after the noon hour here. Um, and uh, we have a bipolar tyrant troller. Uh, that's a new name. I don't recall seeing that one. So uh, hello and welcome. Hello to D Crew. Um, today, what we're doing, um, some of you are aware that when we started doing these live call-in shows, I want to say October was the first month that we did this, um, September or October, um, what I had been doing was I had switched to doing uh, the live streaming just once a month. And Instead, um, the weekly videos that I was putting out were the um, largely the 10-minute the videos on various topics, uh, covering some timely things such as uh, the, the Trump election interference charges in the Georgia case, for example, uh, as well as just some how-to. So um, I don't even remember off the top of my head all the things that we've covered so far, but we're on episode 22 of the third season. So... Um, Hello to Leslie as well. Uh, and yes, uh, please make sure to hit that um, like button, subscribe if you haven't already, hit the notification button on YouTube if you're joining us there. Um, and I'm just going to click over here. It's supposed to be able to show our uh, comments that are coming in from Facebook uh, as well, but, you know, technology doesn't want to do its thing. So at any rate, um, I... Um, We'll just keep checking with Lori. She's going to be helping to pull over behind the scenes comments that are coming in from Rumble and Facebook uh, for me to see on a little chat she and I have going. But in the meantime, um, 
what I had done when we started doing these live call-in shows was I was trying to narrow down the calls and the comments, the questions that were coming in to specifically to those several videos that I had released since the last live video. Um, but since then, I've decided to open it up. Um, I want to say I did that with our first evening live call-in show that we did a couple weeks ago. So today is open. If you just as our little preview there showed at the beginning of today's video, or if you saw the episode preview short video that we released yesterday, it's all about just picking up that phone. You don't have to use a cute little teddy bear to do it, but um, it's all about picking up that phone and calling in with your constitutional questions. Now, keep in mind, I am a Michigan licensed attorney. I'm licensed also in the U.S. Supreme Court, two federal district courts, and the Saginaw Chippewa tribe out of, um, which is located within the boundaries of Michigan. But um, I can try to do my best to answer questions that are coming from different areas as well, just not gonna be legal advice. So at any rate, um, our first caller. Hello caller, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Um, my question uh, is kind of complex. Um, I may not use the proper terminology. I haven't, uh, I don't have a high school education. I dropped out and went into the military. Um, well, thank you for your service. However, well, uh, thank you. I, um, I'm troubled uh, by the uh, 14th Amendment, and I'm hoping that you can touch on that because um, while this may be a stretch, for some people, especially attorneys, I feel as though um, I've done a little bit of research. I found out that the DOJ um, only prosecutes, on average, 41 cases of uh, 18 USC 242 per year. And the highest number dating back, as far as I could see, was 67 in, in a year. I can guarantee you I could show you 50 videos a day that show a First Amendment or Fourth Amendment violation, um, sometimes fifth and sixth. Um, but yet they go without even anybody investigating, much less, you know, that's the first step to any charges or prosecution or anything. And then, um, so to me, that's not a, you know, a significant governmental interest because now what you're saying is that not only do cops have qualified immunity but they can also kind of legally cock block anybody from getting any charges or any investigations going just by simply unsubstantiating any complaints and never referring anything to the DOJ for an investigation so if you could kind of talk about that if you understand what i'm trying to get at i would appreciate it i think so um first of all uh can you first tell me where are you calling from today i'm calling from wisconsin and i am the bipolar tyrant troller oh okay um, new to, i'm new to your channel i just found it through uh an auditor that i follow he posted a, a video of uh, you asking for um the judge to drop the gag order oh Okay. Yeah. So and, with, uh, I found, found that interesting that he would do something like that, but, uh, that's how I found you. And, uh, I'm, I'm now subscribed and, uh, I was excited to see your, your live. 
So I have to ask then, does this mean you're a Packers fan? Yeah. Are you angry with me? And no. <laughs> about, I was about born last in, week. I was born in the UP. And in the UP, uh, even though it's Michigan, uh, half of the Upers are Packers fans. And I'm a diehard Packers fan. So I just had to make sure I was oh, talking right. to good company. So. Yes, yes. And actually, I'm, 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 I kind of have a, a love-hate relationship with the UP because uh, I, as a younger individual, I was involved in combat sports. And uh, the UP, uh, the individuals in the UP, most of whom uh, train for boxing at uh, an Olympic training center uh, in northern Michigan. And uh, they, for some reason, they come to our Golden Globes championships. So those Upers with their Olympic aspirations came down here and beat up on, on a kid that was just doing it for fun. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, there's, I mean, the, the farther north you go, the only things you really get to do are eat pasty, play pinnacle, and drink beer, I guess. So, um, <laughs> you know, what can I say about that? But, um yeah, so I'm I'm a youper, so that uh, I I appreciate knowing that you're from Wisconsin, um, and thank you for uh, newly subscribing to our channel. Um, actually, I lived in Minnesota for ten years. That's where I went to law school, where I was first licensed. So I and I lived uh, very close to I lived in Lake Elmo, very close to the Wisconsin border. So um, anyway, um, That's so cool. if I understood um, you, at your beginning of your question, I thought you had asked something about the 14th Amendment. Did I hear that part wrong? Is it just your, was your question just no. about 18 U.S.C. Section 242? Right. Uh, it is to me, if you're providing police a, a protection through through policies and practices or lack lack of investigating police and, and therefore not being able to charge police with their crime, to me, that would encourage cops to go and violate the Fourth Amendment because the only people that we see last year, at least publicly, that I know of are uh, Derek Chauvin and, or maybe that was two years, whatever, that was in your old stomping grounds in Minnesota. And then uh, what was that guy's name um, in Texas that shot the woman through her back window without even investigating because she burned a pizza and had her front window uh, Aaron Dean was his name, I think. Okay. They, th those are the only two cops that I know of that got charged with uh, violating 18 USC 242. Um, there was a guy in Southern California, a 65-year-old veteran of the military, who had, had been handcuffed and was walking along with the officer to the car, you know, not, not resisting at all, but just verbally you know telling him he didn't agree with what the cop was doing and the cop threw him down on the ground face first and broke his neck cost the people 20 million dollars that guy wasn't charged with um you know use of force violation which uh, is uh, would fall under uh the fourth amendment and is governed by um graham v connor 490 us 386 80, 1989 case so if if there's case law, which is obviously law, just like any statute no, or whatever. No, no, it's not. Um, it's not? No, case case law is not a thing. They call it case law, but case law is not a thing because our Constitution is pretty clear. We have a separation of powers. 
the only branch that gets to make laws is the legislative branch and the executive, excuse me, the judicial branch is only there to resolve disputes between parties. So cases are not law. Um, of course, do I cite to cases? Yeah, I'm going to play their game and I'm going to show them that not only the law, the Supreme law, which is the constitution, uh, you know, whatever codes or rules, regulations, you know, administrative law pieces I can pull together, I'll throw it all in there and show them why when I make an, an argument for freedom that I have the law on my side. Um, and that includes putting in tons of different cases. But case precedent uh, is what we should be calling it because case law is something that it, it's, you know, common law, case law. If you look those terms up, what they literally mean is it's the body of cases, uh, laws that have been uh, created by judges that include um, the beginnings from before our country even had uh, an official country, before we had um, our own our independence and our own written constitution, they're pulling cases from England, you know, from the 1600s and 1700s and, you know, so forth. And so, you know, you look at what common law or case law, those are synonymous, uh, what those are. And and we it made sense to have something to start with when our country began. But then we certainly at this point, we certainly have enough legislators uh, at the state and federal and, and local levels. And we certainly have enough laws on the books that there is literally no excuse for us to be relying on any kind of common law, let alone English common law or case law. Um, but judges go rogue all the time. Judges create uh, all these, you know, this case precedent, what they call case law. And then the, they somehow, you know, our, our reliance then is on, oh, what do the courts say? What, what does the Supreme Court say? Quite frankly, I don't care what the Supreme Court, even of the United States says on a case, if they're not like Dobbs, in the Dobbs case, they, they went half the way they were supposed to go. They didn't finish the case. And they make, quite frankly, they make all these cases far too complicated. The, the New York Rifle v. Bruin case, Second Amendment case that came out um, last year as well, around the same time. They, they went part of the way in the right direction, and they didn't finish the, the correct thought. Instead, they, they relied too heavily on history and precedent and, you know, what have the people been okay with so far historically and, and all those kinds of things. But cases do not make law. Our only law that we're supposed to follow is what has been properly enacted following the procedures set out in our U.S. Constitution and our state constitutions. So, um, so okay. So then the well, the 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 core of my idea it would then still hold true because the 14th amendment says we're all supposed to get the same the equal protection under the law okay so that's where you have an, okay so if absolutely. they have an unconstitutional practice of not not investigating their own yes. they're acting like a gang yeah and also um now that you touched on it you, you brought another uh situation to mind about the um uh the seventh is it the seventh amendment um where did where did all the the common law go and i mean if there's no victim there's no crime mens rea that was a, a maxim of law wasn't it well mens rea is a criminal element it's your mental um it's the mental capacity uh for doing bad under the law 
So if you, you know, you intend to murder somebody, you know, in order to be charged with murder, you have to intend uh, to cause them great bodily harm or to, in fact, kill them. But if it's an accident... So if there's no victim, what if there's no victim? Then I thought there was no crime. Um, I mean, they're they're making up all these all these different things to control us. Like here in Wisconsin, I know you guys in Michigan have legal cannabis. I use cannabis. I tell all the cops I'm going to use cannabis. And if they, you know, want, choose to arrest me, that's going to be a different issue. But I had a medical card in another state, uh, Illinois, when I lived there. I moved back here to be with family. And I'm not going to change that. And I thought there was also... Uh, the fair, uh, the faith equal and, consideration. Full faith and credit. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Full faith and yep. credit. So I, you know, I mean, it's like they had. There are all these laws and parts of the Constitution that seem to go forgotten by all the courts. And I know that there. That's kind of like one of those iffy things that nobody's ever really defined or whatever. This full faith and credit that's supposedly up to the. Uh, um, Congress, whether how they handle those things, and I don't know, I, I can't uh, articulate what my thought is here. Well, I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, um, that's okay. I'm just going to pause you because you had you've had a lot of great topics you've brought up, and I want to try to remember what they each are and, and try to address some of them real quick. So the first thing is you were talking about 18 U.S.C. Section 242, and what right. I would ask you to do is take that completely out of your mind. Instead, look at 18 U.S.C. section 241. 242, you have to... Conspiracy. Two, well, 242 is, um, you know, the violation of rights uh, when it's on the basis of race or national origin, etc. It's a very limited scope for section 242. But 18 U.S.C. section 241 is the conspiracy against rights that is not um, narrowed down to you know, a race-based action or something similar of that nature. So, for example, um, I know you said you're brand new to the channel, uh, but I have talked about the differences of those uh, two federal statutes a lot and first talked about those back in 2020 um, when I was explaining that governors, like Governor Whitmer of Michigan, for example, um, would be um, somebody, those are people that need to be charged for what they were doing just in, in COVID alone. And so, for example, if we just look at her one act of shutting down the state and then uh, which meant shutting down nursing homes and families were no longer allowed access to their loved ones to even take them out of the nursing facilities or to ensure that they were receiving proper care. But while she did that, she was also purposely putting COVID positive patients in nursing homes. And that obviously it's like a dumb moment. Well, yeah, you're going to put COVID positive patients inside of the facilities where you have some of our most vulnerably, uh, medically vulnerable uh, population, yeah, bad things are going to happen. And many people died as a result of that. And so 241 says that it's not only uh, up to a 10-year imprisonment term for you know conspiracy to, conspiracy to violate someone's rights, but you can actually be put to death if that violation of rights actually resulted in the death of someone, which um, what was why I was talking about, you know, the nursing home patients that died as a result of um, keeping the families locked out and away from their loved ones while simultaneously putting the COVID po positive patients in those nursing homes. So um, at any rate, uh, I'd be interested to know wherever you did the, the research to figure out how many times 242 has been used 
um, as uh, charges against someone, I'd love to see what the numbers are for 241. Um, and I haven't particularly found that myself, but if you wanted to pass that along to our channel somehow, I'd love to dive in and, and do more with that because um, it's very... Oh, we lost our caller. Let me see here. And I don't know what... Yeah. Goodness gracious. My, I don't know, my whole thing. I can't even see what the phone number was, so I can't call him back. Um, you, uh, and I forget what his um, bipolar tyrant... Troller, I think, is is his YouTube name. Uh, if you oh, there the phone number finally popped up. If you um, wanted to call us back and follow up on any of your questions, um, go ahead and uh, do that. Uh, you had some great things, and I'm trying to remember what they all are. Um, but I'd love to get information on that um, that research you were talking about with the number of prosecutions under 18 U.S.C. Section 242. I'd love to see similar numbers, but those that apply to 241. And yes, it's a problem with qualified immunity. There should not be qualified immunity. Um, really, there's only, there's certain things that I understand. And, and here's, here, let, let's look at my case, for example, um, when I was uh, unlawfully and unconstitution, unconstitutionally and violently arrested on election day 2020 in Michigan, uh, in Allegan County, when I showed up to be the attorney for people who were lawfully petitioning uh, their government for redress of grievances. At any rate, um, throughout the course of that case, one of the arguments I made is that it was an unlawful arrest because in Michigan, if you are serving as a licensed attorney in Michigan, you are um, in the service as a public um, official. Uh, attorneys are considered public officials in the state of Michigan by state law. And so um, I was there. No one disputed the fact that I was there as an attorney and as an attorney in the actual course of my work uh, in representation of clients that day, um, I was in my, um, you know, in my capacity as a public official. And I've also been a public official in a variety of other ways. I've served on downtown development boards, um, planning commissions. Um, I was uh, the a township trustee elected to the position of township trustee, which is like a city council. Uh, for those of you who don't, uh, you know, from a, a state that doesn't have um, townships like uh, like they have in Michigan, but we had the seventh largest township in the whole state of Michigan, a um, little over 50,000 people. And I was one of the board members of that um, until I moved down here to Florida. But at any rate, as a public official, uh, it makes sense to have a law that says you cannot be arrested when you're in the actual service of being a public official, except for one of three exceptions. And um, one of them is national security. Uh, the other one is for treason. And uh, the other one is for, um, I forget what the, the third one is, but it was also um, not relevant to what, um, what was happening that day and nothing that I was charged with. At any rate, um, it, um, it makes sense to have that because look at what's happening. I mean, just look at President Trump's case, whether you like him or not, the fact that they, all these um, special prosecutors and district attorneys and whatever from state and federal government are just piling on charges after charges after charges on President Trump right now, uh, what they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is blatantly unconstitutional. What they're doing is illegal. And, you know, the, the narrative that they're pushing out there is in, 
just incredible um, in a bad way. So if they're willing to, this was like the test run, right? You have the first case started and then, oh, oh, I'm going to do that too. And then you have another one start, another one start, another one start. And all they're trying to do is drown him in so many ridiculous claims and cases that they're just trying to make him fold. And once he folds on one, then it'll be easier than it's like dominoes and, and he'll be forced to fold on the others because there's overlying, overlapping facts and, and allegations. So um, it, it's a test run for, you know, it, it, if he's uh, if he wins the, the Republican nomination and he wins the next election and he's in office, then they're going to skip impeachment and try to do, you know, criminal prosecution uh, of all kinds of whatever for this, for advocating for the people, for advocating for uh, your rights that are guaranteed under the First Amendment, which is what January 6th, 2021 was. Um, yes, bad things happened on January 6th. Yes, people were injured and, and a few people died, but that is not what President Trump was advocating for. And that's not what the vast majority of the 99% of the people that were there were advocating for. Um, they were advocating to be heard. They were advocating for the um, abundant electro electronic election interference that was actually happening by the Democrats to be viewed by Congress before um, receiving and, and approving of the electoral votes and officially counting them, because you can only count the ones that are actually lawfully uh, presented to Congress. And that's certainly not what happened in the state of Michigan. Um, at any rate, there's a lot going on there. But um, sorry, I haven't been paying attention to the chat. Um, um, it looks like somebody was saying, I've been fighting for the American people since 2020. I've actually been fighting for the American people for a lot longer than that. Um, I was involved in cases uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court uh, since 2016 um, and in a smaller, much smaller level since before that. But at any rate, it's um, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing for all the years of my life because I'm, I'm never going to go back to, to true private practice where I'll be making money. Because why would I do that when obviously we need to stick together as we the people and fight the good fight? And it starts with education. First of all, I don't think I had a chance to thank our caller that we had in. And I, I'm not able to keep up with all the comments that are coming through. Um, it's great that we're having such lively chat going on. I'm trying to read those and respond to that and still respond to the last caller. Um, but our caller that called in from Wisconsin, I want to thank you for calling in. I would encourage you to call in again uh, either today or um any other time in the future we're doing this, love to hear from you. But it's it's um, he, he sounds like a very good example of an intelligent person who uh, has been pushed the narrative about some of these things. So, for example, common law or case law or things like that. Um, it, it's you know, it's something that I took for granted. I heavily relied on cases and didn't really, truly understand that case precedent, what its purpose is and where it properly fits within our constitutional republic, which has a separation of powers. Um, I didn't fully understand that, quite frankly, probably until uh, COVID happened. And I really started diving into more and more of the constitution and bringing it back to, uh, bringing our arguments for freedom back to the roots of the constitution and the declaration of independence and realizing what our constitution really says. Um, Anyway, I'm going to, uh, so thank you to him for calling in. 
Um, and uh, that's the kind of conversation we need to have. And I hope he then in turn has that conversation with his friends and his neighbors and his colleagues about, you know, simple things like that and the source of our freedom. And, oh, you heard about a case at such and such. Well, that's fine and dandy. But did you know that the U.S. Supreme Court is not the final say on the Constitution because we, the people, hold the power in this country, not the U.S. Supreme Court? And yes, I am an attorney licensed to practice in front of the United States Supreme Court. Um, and I'm not telling you that we should have disrespect or disregard for uh, what they do at all. What I'm saying is it has been blown far too out of proportion for what it actually uh, is constitutionally allowed to exist as. Um, anyway, great comments so far. Hello to Annie, um, Cat Scratch, uh, Kinrock, um, Pig's Daughter, nice to see you back. Uh, Don, uh, sorry, uh, several people I'm seeing. Um, and as far as the comments coming in, um, oh, let's see. Um, the problem that I'm seeing or hearing that parents who have their kids or special needs services and public schools are not getting the correct services because they lost so much. Uh, special needs parents lost so much during the COVID-19 mandates and lockdowns across 50 states. Absolutely they have. And, um, and thank you for the kind words, Cat Scratch, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so that's one of the things. So just so you guys know, those of you who are, you have a lot of you that are more you know, new to me. Uh, one of the things that I've done in my career is uh, I've had a lot of ties with children uh, with special needs. So um, uh, my husband and I at a time were going through to become licensed foster parents. Uh, we ended up having a lot of different ministry stuff going on at the same time. And God also called me to run for state rep at the same time. So we didn't uh, end up finishing that out, but we went through all the the classes and the you know the certifications and yada yada to get that done. Um, but I've also been an attorney uh, for child for children in abuse and neglect cases in two different states. And so a lot of kids who are in abuse and neglect cases um, have a lot of special needs. And so there's a lot of significant overlap there. I'm also trained as a special education mediator. Um, through um, the federal special education programs, and I've served as a special education mediator. Um, I've also been trained and worked for years in a school district uh, as a restorative practice uh, facilitator. So going into school districts where you have even a K through fourth grade building where kids are getting suspended and expelled at mind-blowing rates, going in, my job was to go into the school and work with those kids as little as, you know, five years old in kindergarten uh, and helping them to figure out what the problems were and to recognize their own level of responsibility and to give the victims a say in a situation, but as well as to teach the offenders um, responsibility for their actions and not just be slapped down with some punishment and said, OK, well, here you go. This is going to fix the problem. No, because then the kids weren't really learning anything from that, um, especially the habitual offenders. Um, so anyway, I, I come with that. In fact, I was working at that school um, a few days a week doing the restorative uh, practices work, uh, restorative justice work, when and working in the in the uh, juvenile delinquency system doing restorative justice work as well. Uh, when COVID happened and the governor of the state of Michigan shut down the schools, in fact, I remember that was March thirteenth, Thursday, March thirteenth in the evening when she announced that and. Uh, I knew right then and there it was going to be more than three weeks. 
And I knew for our school district alone, spring break was going to be the, the fourth week. And so four weeks straight where those kids were not going to be able to see uh, any mandated reporters, any serve, receive any supports or services, uh, school counselors. Uh, some of them wouldn't be able to receive food. Uh, we lived in a very, or we, I worked in a very um, highly impoverished district, and some of the kids, their only food that they got was through the school uh, and through hand-to-hand um, -hand programs and things like that. Um, but being able to give them those supports and services, it was, it was devastating. And especially with kids with special needs, to be able to um, have that face-to-face -face interaction, you can't legitimately do the vast majority of special education services from a freaking Zoom call. I mean, it's mind-blowing and idiot, just stupid. It's just plain stupid for people, for these school districts, for you know the Department of Education, for the governor, to think that somehow students with special, especially students with special needs, but quite frankly, any student, uh, K through 12, is going to receive an equal, um, adequate amount of education by a freaking Zoom call a couple times a week. Or even if it's Zoom, supposedly every day, all day long, most kids are going to check out. And how many parents had that availability to stay home and sit right next to their kid and make sure they were doing the online schooling every day, all day long? No. And that's not homeschooling, by the way. I'm a homeschooling parent as well and have been for over a decade. That's not homeschooling. That's parents trying to figure out how to do the damn job of the public school system uh, because they're just being thrown into this. And mind you, most uh, states have mandates that students go to a public school or a private school and, and homeschooling is really frowned upon or uh, there's a lot of tight restrictions on homeschooling. So there isn't the, the I mean, constitutionally, we have that protection. We have a God-given right to educate and bring up our own children. But under the unconstitutional laws that are currently being enforced in most states or in many states across the country, parents don't get to freely exercise their God-given right to educate their own children through homeschooling. And so at any rate, um, you also have federal statutes and state statutes that are not being followed. That even if you want to homeschool your children, you're still allowed to receive uh, special education supports and services uh, to, you know, su supplement your child's needs. Um, and, and those things are being stripped away. And, and certainly we're seen um, as you know, they were impacted greatly with COVID stuff. So anyway, um, it was, um, I'm trying to keep, um, oh, um, sorry, there's a lot of comments going on YouTube and I'm trying to keep up with all that. And I don't remember exactly what the, the question was anymore. Now I can't seem to scroll back to it. Um, yes, there needs to be, um, quite frankly, we just need to get rid of most politicians. Um, somebody was saying, Annie on YouTube was saying, I wish more politicians uh, would step up and advocate for special needs people. We just need to get rid of the politicians. We need to have the public voice being heard. We need to have groups like Moms for Liberty. We need to have real parents, uh, real caregivers, advocates for their, you know, legal guardians for, for children to be um, given that voice and be able to advocate for the needs of the children. Because when you leave it up to politicians, uh, they're far out of touch with reality. I mean, it's, it's impossible to be an expert in, 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 you know, multiple different fields anyway. But when you add to that, that your main job and most of your time is spent politicking and dealing with the inner politics of your own party and dealing with the politics of, 
you know, working with across the aisle, so to speak, and, you know, different branches and different levels of government. Um, it's it makes it so that the people that are there advocating for we the people are so far out of touch with reality. They have no freaking clue how to make anything work right. So what do they do? They over legislate. They make new rules and new regulations like they're going out of style and they add one on top of the other and on top of the other. And the more regulations they make, the more problems they create. So then they overregulate and make new laws and new regulations to stack on top and fix the problems that they created to begin with. So at any rate, um, just my love. <laughs> um, Amy says, love it when you're fired up. Um, I get fired up about a lot of bad government people. Um Okay, how does one sue a governor for specific performance for breach of the Constitution? That is Liberty Absurdity asking on YouTube. That is a great question, but um, it depends on what you're you're talking about. Now, there's a few things um, that are common that uh, have their grounds in common law, okay, case precedent, but mostly of which uh, have been put into state statutes, um, state court rules, things of that nature. And those are things like quo warranto and um, writ of mandamus. Um, so uh, mandamus is is mandating that a certain um, act be done in accordance with a legal duty. That is going to be one of the, the most basic ways to bring any kind of government official into court and force that duty to be followed up on. Uh, and so the procedures are different by state or even perhaps by um, local jurisdiction, depending on what it is that you're looking to do. Um, so if you're looking for a specific, if there's something in your state constitution, for example, that requires X, Y, Z to be done by uh, the governor, for example, and the governor is not doing X, Y, and Z, uh, then you should look at your state constitution for starters about... Um, what mandamus proceedings look like. If you see nothing in there, then, and what I would do is I would go to a PDF version. You could go to our website, restorefreedomkh.com, go to the constitutions tab, and you will see the U.S. Uh, constitution in actual text. I literally typed it all out and put it in nice formatting. And so you could do all kinds of things once I finally get the new app up and running. Uh, but anyway, you will also see a link to all 50 state constitutions where you can open up the PDF or save it to your computer. You can do a control F uh, and do and search for some of these terms, mandamus, for example, and search your entire state constitution for just that simple term and see all read all the different places that that particular term shows up. Look at your court rules next for mandamus, uh, for writ of mandamus, and also look at your state statutes and figure out what are the procedures. That is one of the best ways to force a government official to do their job that's required of them. And that might be something that's required in the constitution. It might be something that's required in state law, um, but there has to be some affirmative duty to go ahead and, and do that particular act for them to be forced uh, to do that through one of those court proceedings. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. Okay, so good. I was able to answer Annie's questions. Um, and Amy P says, we could get rid of 90% on the books. I'm assuming you mean laws. And if that's the case, yes, we should. We have a duty to work hard until the day we die to make sure that 90% of the laws that are currently on the books at the state, local, and national levels are taken off. 
because 90% of the laws on the books are unconstitutional. They void uh, some aspect or they violate some aspect of the Constitution in some way, shape, or form. So, for example, you have a lot of local laws out there, um, ordinances and things of that nature, where municipalities seem to think that they are HOAs. They're like a homeowners association and they need to make whatever rules and regulations they feel like uh, to tell people what to do with their properties. And that's not how this works. We need to stop them from doing that. So start going to your local city council meeting. Start going to your county commission or county council, whatever your, you know, your, your state calls them. Go to those meetings and start watching what they're doing. Start looking through all of the uh, codes or ordinances that your local government has put into place and, um, and look at your charter, your city or your county's charter, as well as your state constitution, because that's your local constitution, and see what kinds of things are put into place there. And start, you know, start small if you want, but start finding things that are inherently unconstitutional and asking the board to clean the laws up to really actually make a, a constitutional review. Because typically speaking, the process is they hire something like an organization like um, Municode or Michigan Municipal League to write their, you know, their um, their codes and their ordinances and, and redraft, you know, plans for the, you know, the planning department or the planning commission, et cetera. And, and then they have their city attorneys or, you know, corporate counsel, outside counsel, give it a look to make sure that it's constitutional. But that's based on attorneys who don't know their const the constitution from uh, a hole in the ground. And then they go, oh, yep, it's constitutional. They spell constitution right. So, yep, it's constitutional. And then they go ahead and have uh, tell these local boards, city commissions, county commissions, whatever, uh, to go ahead and vote on approving these, these laws and these codes and these ordinances. And just because they make a finding that it's constitutional doesn't mean that it is. Uh, so if you're here in Volusia County or uh, here in the city of Ormond Beach, where I'm at, uh, we've got a lot on the books like that. In fact, that is um, something that they literally have the wording that they they made a finding that uh, everything was constitutional based on the advice of um, Unicode, I think, is the organization that they hired to put all this together. And it's like, you guys are, you don't take an allegiance. Your oath, your constitutional oath is not an allegiance to following some dumbass attorney's legal advice for you. It's not following a blind party allegiance or making sure you're doing what your campaign donors put you in office to do. No, it's following the constitution first and foremost, regardless of what party you're in, regardless of what issues brought you into the office you're in, no matter what level of government, no matter what branch of government, your number one job is to follow the damn constitution. If you can't do that, get your ass out of that office, resign and let somebody else come in and do the job. And it doesn't matter if everybody else on the board is not doing that job. Every single one of you should be held personally accountable. Wisconsin, who started earlier, who was talking about the, the sad, abysmal, tiny, minuscule little number of public officials who are actually held accountable under federal statutes like 18 U.S.C. Section 241 or the like uh, for violating a conspiracy to violate people's rights when they should all be held accountable. But at any rate... Um, Okay, uh, let's see. Um, is it illegal to have porn books in public school and can schools and school board get in trouble for allowing these books to be in a school? 
Um, yeah, there's all kinds of laws against um, uh, exposing children to pornography and other things. And damn right, we should all be holding those school board officials, library, uh, school librarians, etc. All should be held personally responsible for that disgusting example of literary material that they're putting in public libraries as well as um, uh, school libraries. Absolutely. And who's going to hold them accountable? It starts with the parents. That's why you have groups like Moms for Liberty that go around and they're doing book reviews of what is in the library at the schools or public libraries and speaking out of the long laundry lists of books, speaking out about those books at the school board meetings or city council meetings or whatever appropriate body that there is, um, and, and passing that information around to other parents, letting them know this is the book. This is, these are the kind, you know, you have a passage, read, you know, the, the kinds of things, the expletives and everything, whatever, uh, the graphic descriptions that are put in these books, read them on the record during public comment time, which you are guaranteed under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, as well as in most state constitutions, uh, that right to redress your grievances with your, um, with your government officials. You have the right to do that. Um, but speak during public comment time and share some of those grotesque things and let them know this is the kind of crap that's in these books. And this is the kind of crap that is not allowed. If, if you know, my neighbor was caught sharing this information with, um, you know, an, another neighborhood girl in, in you know, in, in the block, then that guy would be charged as a, a child sex offender and face prison time, et cetera, et cetera. So why are school librarians allowed to bring this material into the schools and, and share that with our youngsters. Not okay. It is a nationwide problem. It's something that happens everywhere. But um, anyway, um, so um, yes, we need to do our work. It's not just for attorneys, because let's face it, most attorneys are, hmm, I don't have a lot of good words for most attorneys. Most attorneys don't know the constitution. They really don't know the Constitution. Most attorneys have never read through the U.S. Constitution every single word at least once. Most attorneys have never read their state constitutions all the way through at least once. But that's something that most of us have failed on as well. It's not just attorneys. As people, how many of you can honestly say you've read your state constitution and the U.S. Constitution all the way through at, at least once? How many of you can say that you've done that twice, three times? You should be reading your constitutions on a regular basis to get yourself more and more familiar with them and make sure that you can stand up for your rights. Because if you don't know what your rights are, there's no way you could possibly defend your rights or the rights of those around you. That's why I've been doing those 10 minute videos to try to give you little chunks here and there so that when you need it, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, Catherine just did a video on, you know, the purpose of arraignment. Okay, so now I know, um, you know, I was arrested on this false charge out of nowhere and I have a bond hearing coming up. What is this bond? What is this? What's bail? I don't understand. Hopefully you can use my little 10 minute video that I recently released to inform yourself about that. And what are the kinds of things, the information you should be bringing to court and don't just rely on attorneys. Um, and my bad, Lori's been doing a good job about sending me the, the Facebook comments and I haven't been checking the screen very much. Um, Joe on Facebook was uh, advocating for the end of qualified immunity. Um, and let's see, 99% um, of federal laws are unconstitutional. It might very well be that 99%, um, I'd say no less than 90% of federal laws are unconstitutional. I'd 100% agree with that. Um, and let's see, 
Um, okay, so I answered that. Lori's trying to help me stay on top of different things. Uh, Joe on Facebook says, government officials should not have any more protections from government than we the people. Oh, I wish we could put that right. You know, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to do that. Um, nope, it's not going to fit there. Dang it. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I want to put that up for you guys and I'm not, you just have to be, uh, oh, have to be patient with me because I'm not, yeah, whatever. Dang it. I want that up there, but I can't, I can't figure out how to, how to get that on there. Um, uh, anyway, uh, yes, Joe on Facebook just said, I'm just going to repeat it, um, at least once government officials should not have any more protections from the government than we, the people No. And as government officials, the only protections that they should have is that while they're serving in the actual course of that business, that they are not arrested except for under those certain, um, you know, treason and other specific acts. Now, that doesn't mean that when they go home for the day, they can't be arrested. It means while they're showing up to do the job, don't arrest them there. So in other words, for those of you who might not be too familiar about the ridiculous, uh, like, police state that... Um, Governor Whitmer turned Michigan into in 2020. Uh, she had these executive orders that she thought were just something we had to follow, even after the Michigan Supreme Court smacked those down and said no. Now, did the Michigan Supreme Court listen to me when I argued during the oral argument time uh, that they should make it clear that it doesn't matter which statute she tries to use, because I knew she was going to go use the public health code next, uh, that they need to make it clear up front that none of those executive orders would be constitutional to do the same things that she was trying to do under the the other two, um, the 1945 and the 1976 statutes she was already using. But at any rate, uh, so what she did is she then had these executive orders that, that tried to say government could not continue on during COVID. It was a time of emergency. And despite the state constitution actually requiring government to continue on during an emergency, she decided to say that government officials were not allowed to continue during the emergency, except if they're doing it online only by Zoom or whatever. And so when I took office and a few others that were recently elected at the same time, uh, in November of 2020, when we went to our first meeting, we went in person. And there were three of the board members who were just gonna try to appear by Zoom. And we had 45 minutes of our first meeting and never got past roll call. Why? Because I strenuously objected to counting them as present when they were merely online and there was no actual law that allowed them to only appear by Zoom, nor did the constitution, which requires the people to have the ability to, to face their government officials and petition for redress of grievances and have that ultimate control and authority. That's what a constitutional republic is, which we're guaranteed under section four, um, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution to have. Um, but I said, they're not here. They're not here to have this meeting. So if they want to, you know, if we want to convene, uh, take a recess for 15 minutes and reconvene so that they could th get their lazy butts down here 
and be face to face with anyone who chooses to come to these meetings and so be it. And what do you know that I had big pushback? Oh, well, we can't open the doors of the building to the public and have them come in. Yes, you can. And you have to. And then we were uh, told of townships, uh, even in the upper parts of Michigan, where the state police thought it was their job to go into those meetings and uh, threaten the township board members or city council members with arrest if they didn't leave because they supposedly weren't allowed to conduct public meetings in public because of the governor's executive orders. And so what did we do? We had our friends that uh, are part of militias and all across uh, the state of Michigan show up to the meetings so that if they tried to pull some sort of stupid ass garbage like that and things like what happened to me on election day 2020, that they weren't gonna get away with it too easily because we had a duty to show up in person and be face to face with the public, whether we wanted to hear what those members of the public had to say or not, that was our job when we served in that capacity. So no one's forcing people to have government jobs. If you don't wanna work for the government, if you don't wanna be in the government and answer to, answerable to the people, then get the hell out. Go make your living some other way. Get a private sector job. Shoot, I mean, McDonald's is hiring up to $15 an hour now, right? So just go there. Um, but don't work for the government and think that you don't answer to the people. So should government officials um, have extra protections from the government? No, there shouldn't be this fake shield between the government and the people at any level, in any branch of government for any reason. Um, Rick says, bless you. Um, no, Joe said something about running for state representative. No, I'm not running now. I ran back in 2015, 2016 in West Michigan. And that's how I met a lot of the people that I know today as good friends in the freedom fight. Um, okay. Yes, we do need the money to follow the student. Absolutely. For all the years that I had to homeschool because the public school system failed, I initially started public, uh, started homeschooling when the public school system failed one of my children who had an IEP, an individualized education plan. And they, even though the school district was the one that wrote the damn plan, they couldn't be bothered to follow the plan. And yes, I was a special education mediator and an advocate for uh, an advocate for children and all that other stuff. But when you live in a small town of 5,000 people and you know all the people on the school board and you know the principals and you know the teachers and you know, you know, it's like, well, do I make that fight now and risk what my other kids would have to endure while they remain in the school system? Or do I just pull the one child out and homeschool? And that's what I decided to do. Um, and I have found it a blessing ever since to um, have gotten into homeschooling because of that. But anyway, we need the money. When you pull our, a student out or don't, don't even put them in, uh, the tax dollars should go to where the student is actually being educated, right? Because it's not our job. There's nothing in the constitution that requires us to pay for the education of all students. Um, at any rate, that's a whole other thing. Um, okay. Would you ban the Bible from school libraries? Absolutely not. I certainly would not ban the Bible from school libraries. Um, not sure what the basis for that is, if there's some part of the conversation I'm missing there or whatnot. But anyway, um, and we had somebody else on YouTube. Would it be possible to force the DOJ to stop local 
LEOs or law enforcement officers from violating basic rights through a class action lawsuit. Well, okay, so there's a lot of pieces being blended together there, but DOJ, generally, you're not going to have a, a writ of mandamus forcing the DOJ to do something through a class action lawsuit. Typically, a class action lawsuit is is um, it, it doesn't work with a, a writ of mandamus. Usually, a writ of mandamus is something where you're uh, you're an individual person. It may be a small group of people, but you are coming in and asking for something specific to be done, and it's, so it's uh, taking specific action. A class action is where. It's essentially saying everybody who's similarly situated and makes up part of this class, you're automatically included unless you purposely uh, and intentionally exclude yourself in some way, shape, or form. And I'm I'm not a fan of class action lawsuits because of that. Because what if you don't get notice? What if you're in the hospital? What if you forgot about it? Why is there a burden on you to have to step out of a lawsuit um, as part of a class action when, you know, you had nothing to do with it to start with, you know, that's, at any rate, that's a different uh, deal. But we've touched on the, that was a little bit ago that the question came, but um, anyway, hopefully we've answered that in terms of the, the whole writ of mandamus and how those kinds of procedures work um, and um, touched on why class action lawsuits would not be the best way to go. Um, okay, so... Um, Restore Freedom Rocks. <laughs> Get involved now. Restore Freedom Rocks. Yes, thank you. Um, the only way we're going to get any kind of freedom whatsoever is if we're all doing it, and which is why I kind of started to go on a tirade a little bit ago about um, uh, attorneys. And most attorneys don't know the Constitution. Don't rely on attorneys to fix your problems. Don't rely on attorneys to fight for your freedom. Over and over and over again, I have seen attorneys do wrong. In fact, I have only ever once relied on an attorney, uh, twice Twice have I relied on an attorney to file pleadings on my behalf or, you know, represent me in court. Um, and even so, I was um, a not-so-silent uh, co-chair or co-counsel on the case. Um, we had a, a very terrible ordeal when we first moved down to Florida. Uh, it's There's videos on, on our YouTube channel and, and Facebook if you want to go back and see that. It's very interesting, but... Um, at any rate, still has some ramifications to this day. And because I'm not a Florida licensed attorney and didn't know Florida laws, and we had just moved down here, uh, I hired a Florida attorney. Uh, he was very well known, very well respected, seemed like a really great guy. I told my husband, I really saw that there, you know, he's probably somebody that I could end up doing some freedom fighting work with as, you know, time went on and we got to know him better, et cetera. Anyway, he ended up diving, diving, dying in a freak scuba diving accident. Um, and so he wasn't able to complete representation for us. But even with him, he would draft the complaint or an answer or whatever, you know, whatever the legal document was and send it over to me to review and to add or change or suggest different things. Because even though I'm not a Florida licensed attorney, um, I am an attorney and I have common sense and basic knowledge of, of legal principles that transfer from one jurisdiction to another. And I do have the ability to look up Florida laws and read them. And by now, in fact, once the attorney passed away, suddenly um, I had to spend an entire weekend, literally every hour, did not sleep the whole weekend, uh, spent the entire weekend, like four day weekend, uh, reading all the laws of the state of Florida, literally, 
looking up every single law start to finish to see what would be applicable in our case. Then I had to do the same thing for the court rules here. Then I went to cases because cases come far after that. Um, and so you have the ability to do that too. But um, anyway, don't just rely on attorneys. Good afternoon, caller. How are you today? Hey, Catherine. It's Liberty Cause. Well, hello. Um, trying to figure out which button I'm. There we go. Got the right thing showing on my screen now. Uh, how's it going? Good. Um, I just, you know, I thought I'd throw this out there because based on what you were talking about, especially the so-called shields between the people and government, um, are you aware that uh, Trump basically came out and said that uh, if he's reelected, he plans to indemnify every city, state, county, town, village, uh, and police department against lawsuits? I'm not sure what you mean by that. That he says that he is going to indemnify every state against lawsuits, every police department. Basically, he threw, you know, Article 1, not a power delegated to him through Article 1, but plans to give indemnification to every state or every every city, town. So basically, he's saying, that, hey, you know what? People can't, they got to stop suing for their rights. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that sounds like a crock. If you want to send that over to me, I'd be glad to look into that. But I think that sounds like a load of BS. Um, and that's, oh, not, yeah, some, that's not something he has the authority to do anyway. And um, But indemnification is different than immunity. So that's why I'm wondering what you're talking about, because it almost sounds like you're trying to just describe immunity, but you're talking about indemnification. So there's an article, there's, there's a lot of articles. The one I'm looking at is in law enforcement today. And um, it just, you know, here's one of the, it says, we're going to do something that I will say is slightly controversial, but it shouldn't be. We are going to indemnify policemen in precincts and states and cities from being sued, the former president said in a speech Saturday night. We want them to do their jobs. And then apparently he went out on whatever his, uh, whatever he, not Twitter, but whatever he's using now and put a message out about this. Okay. So, but you understand now indemnity you is totally different than immunity. immunity, right? What's that? You understand indemnity is totally different than immunity. Oh yeah. Oh, I absolutely do. Um, I, I know the difference between immunity and indemnification. I'm just telling you, this is what he's coming out. This is his latest thing now. And obviously, you and I both know that Article 1 does not grant that power um, either or. It does not grant indemnification or immunity. But this is what he said. This is his latest thing on the campaign trail. Okay, so I think there needs to be a basic understanding of what indemnity really is and where where is he saying it would come from. Because indemnity is not immunity. So people can still sue uh, police departments or cities or any government official. What indemnity would do is say that um, if certain circumstances are met and there's a lawsuit and there's a judgment against, say, a police officer for doing some particular act, if the circumstances of the indemnification are triggered because there's certain things that they've done or not done according to that uh, contract for indemnification, then 
whatever dollar amount that they were ordered to pay would instead be covered by some other entity, another person or whomever. So for example, if, um, again, I don't have the article, I don't have whatever you're talking about, I haven't had a chance to see it or I haven't heard the speech myself, but if President Trump is saying, well, you know, for those law enforcement officers that are out there actually doing their job and they're being sued by the Democrat crazies who are whatever, doing X, Y, Z and, you know, defund police and let's do this and that. And, you know, the crybabies down in uh, Portland, Oregon, who are trashing the city and causing terror. And then they turn around and try to, you know, sue the police for trying to, uh, you know, stop that from happening and protect the rest of the citizenry. Um, if he's saying that if in some, you know, liberal part of the country, um, you know, a liberal wins and, and they get some sort of um, uh, judgment against a police officer for something of that nature, and he personally wants to indemnify them and cover the losses that they will be forced to pay, that's in a civil suit. That's a civil suit. So that's not saying that there's immunity from criminal prosecution. It's not saying there's immunity uh, for civil cases. It's not preventing civil cases from happening. Indemnification is a totally different animal. And in some cases, it may be appropriate. It just depends. So I'd love to read more on it, but it's... I, I just texted you the article I found on... It was the first one that popped up. Uh, it was on law enforcement today, but there are several. If you do just a quick search on um, Trump plans indemnification, there's a, there's a bunch that pop up. But I sent you the one uh, from uh, law enforcement today. I just texted that to you. Okay. Well, hopefully that has the the whole context of the speech and whatnot. But yeah, I'm not even sure based on some of the quotes that he understands the difference between indemnification and immunity. I think that he is somehow mixing the two. Well, and that's where I'm saying I hope they have the whole thing and not just taking snippets out of context because we all the media likes to do that. So uh, I'll see. I'll, I'll take a look when we're done with the video here and, and see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if that's... Um, if that's something that, you know, there needs to be some information out on, I'll certainly follow up on that. Um, but at any rate, um, so. Even talks about states that have actually passed legislation to remove qualified immunity. And, you know, all the qualified immunity, all the, all that all it does is prevent, and, and I quote from this, prevents money grubbing lawyers from filing frivolous lawsuits. <laughs> well, I, there's been many, 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 many cases of absolute egregious violations of rights by law enforcement where those law enforcement officers have been granted qualified immunity under the most absurd, you know, ideas from the court. You know, oh, like the, the you know, cops that stole $207,000 worth of gold and coins and stuff after exercising a warrant oh but they didn't know they weren't allowed to steal if they were exercising a war that literally came out of the 10th circuit they didn't know that they were they, that they weren't allowed to steal 
So we have to give them qualified immunity because they stole $200,000 worth of coins and gold from somebody that well, should have gotten it back after the warrant, after everything was cleared up. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't get the property back. Yes. Um, give me a second here. Somebody was asking, the armed fisher was, uh, fisherman was asking for the number to call. So um, armed fisherman, I have put it back on the screen for you. Um, I didn't actually say it out loud yet today, so I apologize to anybody who's only listening. Um, I appreciate your call, Liberty Cause. My brain's not able to multitask anymore, and I have to try to remember to say some of the things I was supposed to be saying. Um, but thank you for calling and sharing that that uh, information with me. And like I said, we'll definitely do some follow-up on that once I've been able to read it and see what there is. Um, but I'm going to grab our, our next call that's coming in, if that's all right. So thank you. Yeah, yeah go to John Fisherman. He's awesome. Okay. <laughs> all right, thanks. Have a great day. Hello, this is Catherine. How can I help you? Hey, Catherine. This is uh, Michael Taylor. I go by the Arm Fisherman. Yes, yes. Nice to hear from you. How are you doing today? I'm living the dream, and I hope all your subscribers and all your followers are living the dream as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm just enjoying this 70-degree weather in Florida right now. So uh -huh. Yes, yes. Not too bad. <laughs> I, I love today. It's 11 degrees warmer than yesterday. I mean, granted, yesterday was still a lot warmer than what it is in Michigan right now, but yes. Oh, my wife's trying to get me to move to Michigan. I so I can't deal with that cold. <laughs> or, or the crazy liberals. I mean, yikes. Um, I I can deal. I can deal with them. I can I can defeat them with their own logic sometimes. Like, oh, you think they I have always, logic? <laughs> uh, you give them the lot. Give them. Let them feed you the logic, and then feed it back to them. And they're like, "Oh, I I didn't even think of it like that." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." I'm like, "We're even though like I'm a big gun guy." A lot of these gun people, they're like, oh, the government should only have the guns, right? And then I'm like, well, do you trust the police? And they're like, no. I'm like, but yet here you are wanting to give the government the guns. Okay. Exactly. You, you defeat it with their own logic. But I do have a very serious question, and especially here in Florida. Um, I'm not sure. I saw some of your, your, your uh, followers. They do know who I am. But here in Florida, um, we don't have an open carry law per se. It's only exceptions. But my question is... Oh, wait, are you saying because, that we don't have true constitutional carry despite the NRA touting it as such when it was enacted last year? Yeah, year? no, it's only, it's only permitless carry here in the state of Florida. Right. So we, we're still under the exceptions of the rule, fishing, hunting, camping on your property, going to a gun range, you know, just very few exceptions. Yes. But my constitutional question is, because of Bruin, you know, taught, like the way the law was written in the time fashion, um, if I was to say I just go out and I open carry, right, hypothetically, just go out, no fishing pole, no nothing, just do it because I feel like it, and I get arrested, I would, I would almost say the Bruin, the Bruin case would allow me to challenge the the constitutionality of the Florida law, because under under the Constitution, I should be able to, or at least a rifle, the rifle half of it, I would say, I should be able to carry a rifle openly because you can't conceal a rifle. It's hard to conceal that. And that's pretty much in a nutshell, the challenging of unconstitutional laws in all states 
is basically saying, put yourself as the martyr, take the arrest, and then challenge it in the Supreme Court. And is that something that has been done before, or is it something that we should almost want to do to try to challenge unconstitutional laws? Um, I mean, they can be challenged without uh, having the arrest, for sure, because it's precluding you from exercising your God-given liberties right now. And I wouldn't even worry about Bruin. Again, if I, if, you know, I am arrested and I'm, you know, fighting the fight, like you talked about using their own logic against them. As part of that, I do pull up cases and I put in, I mean, I'll put hundreds of cases in a brief uh, to show them they're all dumbasses for whatever argument that they're making. But um, in reality, it doesn't matter what the court said in Bruin because they didn't quite get it right. Um, they only got right. it right part of the way. And what matters is that the Second Amendment is pretty damn clear. We have the right to um, to keep and bear arms. And uh, it's not something that they can, you know, they can't say, you know, Michigan, well, we're going to say Michigan as of the time when I moved down here in 2021, when the laws were a lot different, uh, gun laws back then. But anyway, and just two years ago, when I moved down here, Michigan was an open carry state. So the thing was, you had to have a permit if you wanted to conceal carry. Whereas now down here, you supposedly can't, um, in Florida, you supposedly under the state laws, you can't open carry at all. Uh, but you can concealed carry as long as you're legally able to obtain a permit otherwise. And you, you know, you're forced to provide identification in violation of the Fourth Amendment just simply because an officer has asked you if as long as you're carrying, et cetera, et cetera. All kinds of, you know, other constitutional violations. But um, none of those laws are accurate. None of, none of them are constitutional. We have a right to be able to carry a weapon concealed or openly as long as it doesn't uh, go to the ex extremes of brandishing, if you are brandishing a firearm and displaying it in such a way to purposely cause fear or to make somebody think you are um, showing them the weapon on purpose, that it's a, it's a seen as an active threat to harm someone, that is, you know, not acceptable behavior. But merely having your firearm and having it openly or concealed um, carried is, you know, somebody should be challenging it. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't have any faith in the, the state Supreme court because our state constitution has a few too many, um, ugly things in it. I think that could be used against that freedom argument, but of course the U S right. Supreme, uh, the U S constitution is the Supreme law of the land. So the best fight would be to bring it to the U S Supreme court. But again, they don't always get it right either. So I think it's, you know, the more people do to simply say enough is enough, we're not going to take your bullshit and we're not going to limit our freedoms to what, you know, Congress or the courts or some executive with, you know, a bit too much ink in his pen uh, with the executive orders going out, being issued like they're going out of style. Um, you know, that's, we don't have to limit our freedom based on what any of those clowns think that they want to limit our freedom too so right. and I, I agree and that the same thing you mentioned about congress you know most people don't know that you know the second amendment could get repealed all it takes is two-thirds of our congress turning over to the wrong side or two-thirds of them saying hey we don't want the second Amendment. we want to amend it to something different and that's scary to me but in the same motion if congress or some if they, they wanted to do that the, 
they thought January 6th was a bad day, it, it, it would only, uh, you'd see another revolution. But, you know, it, it, and for me, it, it, I want to see, like, I, I heard about the red flag laws that they're pushing over in Michigan, and I think they just passed it, if I'm not wrong. I believe they did pass a whole bunch of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the whole bunch. And these are the things that, you know, I try not to get too political on my channel. But this is, it's just the way it is. It's like, you can't have some of these amendments without getting somewhat political. And then when you see these political candidates or whoever saying that they're going to do X, Y, or Z, that's when you start showing up to their office. That's when you, whether you live there or not, just, you know, having that voice and thankfully, you know, with you having a channel, me having a channel and others, we could be the voice for some of those people. And that's what I try to do on my channel now is saying, hey, I'll go to the government. I'll scream to the top of my lungs. But it takes us as we the people to get together to say enough is enough. And that's where we're at, I think, going forward in our country is how much more are we going to take? And what do we do together without the government to keep our country going? Right. And, and I agree that it's good that, you know, I mean, I'm shadow banned, so I don't know that I have much effectiveness on any platform, but um, regardless, it's, we can't take the place of being the voice for uh, those who share our constitutional values. But what I think our role is, um, or First Amendment auditors or whomever, any freedom fighters, our role is to impassion and empower, um, to educate the rest of the people to stand up and start doing their job to, you know, to whether they want to focus at a local level, state level, national level, they need to start making calls. They need to start sending emails. They need to do handwritten letters if that's what they prefer. They, it's so easy to just, um, you know, pick somewhere small to start with and just be repetitive about it and, and get a few neighbors or friends and, you know, rotate. So somebody's always going to your local city council meeting, for example. Um, but that's one of the things it, it could be overwhelming though, at the same time, right? Oh, because yeah. there's so many things that we're fighting against and so many, um, you know, different levels and, and different, you know, so local level or state level or national level, but also, you know, second amendment issues or, First Amendment issues or just general equal protection arguments, whatever. There's so many things and it becomes overwhelming. And that's where I think it's important that we, including people like you and me, um, but everybody. Um, I, had this, I had this thing that um, I was advocating for this whole year. And I've said three for 20, 2023. So hashtag three for 2023 means narrow your freedom fighting issues down to no more than three. Because otherwise yeah. you're you're gonna get burnt out. There's no way you could keep up, and perhaps nope. it should only be one. Yeah, well, I'd say one to two. Um, you know, and especially if you start if you start noticing you getting a, a group of people and like, all right, I'm gonna let's all break this section up. We all have there's six sections of this, and there's six of us. You take one. That's your main goal. Get educated about that one subject because it, it happens to me. Like I try to get so much, I go to council meetings and I speak about things, but I'm speaking about so much that everything gets clouded because there's so much going in my head trying to get a point across in three minutes or four minutes or however long I'm given. And that's the difference. If you have one person talking about one issue, the next person talks about the next, 
then then it's cohesive. Then then your politicians, whether it's state, local, federal, whatever, they actually hear one person speaking about one issue and the next person. And that's that's the route I'm trying to go right now. Um, I'm really trying to show people like, hey, you need to speak to people, whether it's at your city hall that are doing things, whether it be your property taxes get increased by three and a half percent next month or next year. That's when you need to you needed to speak to them six months ago about, hey, I don't want my property taxes going up. Those are whether it be at that level or your constitutional rights or whatever. If you don't agree with what your council or your states or your federal are doing, stand up, be a voice. And that's in that that could be half of it. I've seen some changes here in Florida between whether it be a First Amendment or a Second Amendment a- action like my, my channel with the open carry stuff. They don't even come out anymore. So, I, I mean, I still go out and open carry, but I know that the police aren't coming. And that's what people came to my channel for. So now they don't come out. I've done my job. Now I'm moving forward to this next position of like, I'm just one person. I want you to be a person and you to be a person. And if we all come together with one point or a couple different points, we could affect change. And yes. that's what I'm trying to do now. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we need to do. And um, yeah, very good points to making sure that, you know, if, if you can work as a group to figure out, okay, well, if you're going to speak on this issue and you're going to speak on that issue, you know, it's, it works better. And so if you guys, you know, get together with a group of people from your church or your work or your neighbors and, you know, where you have common issues and interests, but break up how how you address your you know your local government body or even your you know your state legislators um things of that nature i think that's very important um and just to let you know because i think it was during this conversation with you uh that the um the state of michigan's new laws on guns came up my friend good friend to aedu who's up in uh michigan uh, he said, yes, red flag laws passed, as well as safe storage, universal background checks, et cetera, passed in Michigan just recently. So, And just to let everybody, that, that was a mom's demand action thing. I was going to a mom's demand action. I was going to a couple of their meetings and got kicked out of a couple of their meetings. But anyway, that was the one big thing was the safe storage, gun locks, ammo in two different spots. Obviously, the red flag laws were still being pushed in and it's crazy because when I was first starting, I was watching Michigan Open Carry. I can't remember the exact YouTube channel, but it was like it was like MichiganOpenCarry.org or something. And that's where I learned half of the open carry stuff was from Michigan, Oregon. Um, there was only one person here in Florida that I actually saw open carry, and that was Jeff Gray. And that was Honor Your Oath. Most people know him from Honor Your Oath, but um, like these are freedom fighters. These are your these are your Minutemen. Those people that are out open carrying are the same ones that are like, hey, you need me to come to Florida to fight something? We're there. And the same thing for Florida. If there was some, like, it's hard for me to get there. And I wanted to cover it, but there were so many people covering the red flag laws. I was like, dude, there's, and there's nothing I can do for Florida. I mean, there is. I can send emails, but yeah, it's just, it's so hard. It What we're seeing with legislation and like, I don't know where our country's gotten to at this point. Is that, it, like, it's gotten, I go back 20 years. I'm 40 years old. I go back 20 years. It wasn't like this. 
it, it's yeah. I and mean, I don't know. The only way to try to change people's mind is by talking to people. But sometimes those people on the opposite side of you, they don't want to talk. Yeah. No, that's just, right. So did I hear that uh, that you were born in 1983? Is that what I just heard you say? Uh, 1979. Oh, okay. You meant 40 in generally. Okay. I just turned yeah, 40. 40. Yeah. I turned 40 a few months ago. So <laughs> that's why. Uh, uh, you might want to delete that one. People would be like, oh, she's 40? Oh, no. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, you know, some, with as I've aged, I've actually gained more respect for the other side because you know some when I was younger if I didn't want to hear them I was the same way they are to us on this side too we don't want to hear it we're just like we shut them out but now as I've gotten older like I can deal with some and that's why I say I bring up that argument you take their arguments spin it on them and throw it back in their face and it's just like they it's like their brain you can literally see their brain working trying to think of it and they're like wait a minute did he makes more sense and I'm like we're on the same team. You just don't like that I carry a gun. I get it. Right. But I, I, you know, I don't want somebody that doesn't want to carry a gun, carry a gun. I say right. it's your right and it's your choice. Right. You don't want to do it. Same thing with your voice. If you don't want to use your voice to, in, in, to make change, then don't. But if you do, you have, to, you have to be a little bit worried about using your rights because politicians and police and other people may not like what you have to say and they're willing to put cups on you throw you in jail and let the court system figure it out and yep. sometimes that's what we have to do to infect change and i think to go back to what you said at the beginning of your call i think we do all need to be willing to take one for the team so to speak in not necessarily go looking for it but be ready and willing to do that just like that's what happened to me on election day I wasn't going to let, you know, the, the two petition circulators, one of them, a, a disabled woman, um, I wasn't going to let them be arrested and, you know, or physically thrown off of public property when they were violating no laws whatsoever. Um, so I figured if somebody had to be arrested, it better be me rather than them. And I'd never thought that they'd actually arrest me, at least how they did it. And, and so violently and so quickly and refusing to talk about the law. But that's what the deputy said to me. Oh, well, you'll have your day in court. Doesn't, you know, I, it doesn't matter what the law is right now. You'll have your day in court. Um, yeah. So I agree. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation and I, I don't want to take from other people. I just, I really wanted, I saw your constitutional questions answered. I was like, Here, right up my alley because I have questions about this because, you know, I've, I've, I, I think the legislation, the way it's written, because Florida was an open carry state in 1987, but because of legislation, they got rid of it and adopted. We were the first state to, to adopt the concealed weapons permit. You can thank Florida for that, everybody. Florida was the one that adopted that, and then every state pretty much followed right behind it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's something, too, that if you, um, I mean, I'm, I'm more than willing to answer these kinds of questions. Um, ongoing, you know, in future shows. Um, otherwise, if you ever want to do any kind of, I don't, I don't know if you do um, lives or uploads or whatever, but if you think any, uh, any of your viewers might benefit from having any future um, constitutional questions answered on your own channel, let me know. I'd be happy to do that because it's all teamwork makes the dream work, right? So 
<laughs> the only way it's we about can... knowledge. What's that? It's about knowledge, knowledge and education. That's what you're giving us is education. You know how you how you want to take it and use it. That's on that's on the person, but we can only tell people, hey, these are your rights, and this is how you can use your rights. But you do have to understand, like when you got arrested, the police have gotten to a point where they don't care. They're like, we're just going to arrest you, let you figure it out in court, and we're going to get qualified immunity because that it happened to me. I did a pro se lawsuit, and I lost because of qualified immunity. Yeah, that's well. Well, if what county are you in? Uh, I'm in St. Lucie County. It's uh, just north of Palm Beach. Oh, okay. Well, if you happen to be around uh, January 4th in the Daytona area in the morning um, on a much smaller level and not tied to the Second Amendment, but general uh, ability to fight the government from doing its BS, I have a hearing, my oral argument day is uh, at the Daytona courthouse. I think it's nine o'clock a.m. January 4th. And, um, you know, I'd love to have any kind of supporters of the Constitution out to to let the court know we're watching and let the city know we're watching because I'm willing to take this fight all the way. Um, so you got arrested in Daytona? No, no, no. The, the case that I have currently going is the case where the um, city of Ormond Beach is trying to rip out my my papers, my uh, privacy fence and um, my two small shipping containers that we have since we don't have a garage. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fun times. Yeah, well, I've got family just uh, right up in Port Orange, right next door to you. So uh, um, I just wrote down the date. So I'll try to be up there early. And you said 11 o'clock, you said? I think it's at nine o'clock in the morning that nine day. Nine o'clock? Yep. Okay. But yeah, right, the, so. Uh, it's, it's all about, and for me, it's not just this. They literally, uh, the magistrate issued an order that purports to allow the city to come on my property and physically take my pavers, my fence, and my shipping containers. So they think that they can violate the takings clause and literally come and take my property and not pay me, but instead charge me to do that. And they think they get immunity from any damages they cause to my property or my house in so doing. So if they think that they could do this to me, they're obviously going to do this to other people. And that's why we need to fight these kinds of fights and be willing to die on the hill. That's where you show up to your local government because that local government, your city councils, that's, that's who, that's who passed this ordinance or whatever they're trying to claim. And they get a free for all. Same thing with eminent domain. You know, somebody doesn't have family, nobody, when they die and the house is theirs and it sits there for five years, the city can come in and take the whole thing, and it's just, and I don't think the government has any right. And the same thing with your property tax. You'll never own your house. You own a house, you're going to pay property tax for the rest of that. Whoever owns that house will pay that for the rest of their life. You'll never own your home. Right. And that's where fighting your local, you know, letting the go local government, federal, letting them all know, hey, we're tired of all these raises. We need to start doing something different because it's just not working right right yeah well we definitely need to be doing things different um but yeah i mean um yeah if you uh have people you know your supporters or your followers that come up with 
constitutional questions, I mean, by all means, uh, shoot them my way for when we're doing these shows. I'm trying to figure out the best time of day to reach people, but um, trying to figure out if this is a good time or if we should just do it at 7 p.m. or if we should do one at noon and one at 7. Um, yeah. Just trying to... Yeah, I was, I was sitting around just scrolling through the YouTube and found your, your live stream. I'm like, all right, sweet score. So... No, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip a little bit of this and say, hey, you know, this you're a lawyer, correct? Yep, I'm not a Florida lawyer. Um, but you're missing, you know. I just want to make sure you're a lawyer in Michigan. That way, I'm like, hey, I got to ask some constitutional questions, and she does this on, you know, I'm, I'm guessing just one in seven. But I'm, obviously, I'm gonna send them over to your channel because you know, some I that's how I got started. I was I was a small channel. And people that like love the work I was doing help grow my channel, and hopefully I can do the same for you. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate that. Um, but yes, I'm a Michigan licensed attorney. I'm also um, I, I can do work at the United States Supreme Court and um, a couple different federal courts. So nice. yeah, um, but I I'm uh, somebody I think that you're acquainted with. Um, uh, for uh, what is it? Um, oh my gosh, I'm losing his um, YouTube handle. Um, uh, dang it, Foshin. <laughs> you know Foshin? That's one of the things he goes by. Uh, uh, this is a public service. That's his YouTube channel. Are you acquainted with okay. him? I don't believe really I'm acquainted with him, but I do know of his name. I've seen it. Okay. Well, um, good Lord. I can't remember why. Oh, I brought him up because... He's a, a freedom fighter down here in Florida as well, with also with Michigan ties. But uh, he, you know, would love to have uh, me be able to help represent Florida freedom fighters uh, with a Florida, you know, state license. And so he's he, I think he set up like a GoFundMe or something like that, because uh, I told him I can't, you know, everything I do, I pay out of pocket to do this. You know, I don't, I don't. Um, I haven't raised any funds since COVID started because I haven't taken on the private cases. I'm only trying to do the freedom fight. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to pay 10 grand to go through all the licensing and the background checks and all that stuff just to continue to do more free work. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. And, and that's the thing about it is like, you know, even, even if we had a lawyer down here, they're not, ex they, they have to come out of pocket. Lawyers come out like pro se, I get a lot more leniency on a lot of things. You know, there's paperwork, and I think it only cost me 400 to file. But as a lawyer, there's so much more. Yeah. And it's not it's not cheap. You know, there might be some cases you could be like, yeah, I'm going to take this one because it's a slam dunk, and you know it. But for most most, and that's the problem I've had is like I've called lawyers. They want five to seven grand up front that covers the first couple months, and then. Anything after that, I start coming out of pocket even more. So, yeah. and I get it. Don't get me wrong, I get it. It's just, you know, that's the part, hard part for somebody like me that doesn't have all those funds. I just have a YouTube channel. That's it. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's what I would, my goal, I mean, this is pie in the sky, but since you're down here in Florida, I'll let you in on my little mission in life. If, if I could set up some sort of situation where I could, have other attorneys join my firm and, um, you know, somehow I don't know where the funds would come from, but I would love to be able to train other attorneys and paralegals and staff 
um, in Florida and beyond, um, all across the country. I'd love to be able to have training programs. Eventually, shoot, I'd, I'd love to run my own law school and teach lawyers really start to finish all about the law and how to follow the Constitution and, you know, what things they really need to do to really be serving the people. That would be my ultimate goal is to be able to affect the most change nationwide or even statewide. But, you know, you do what you can with what you have until you have more. Yes. <laughs> so. I 100% agree because that's all you, that's all we can do. You know, and that's the thankful thing when, you know, me, I'm going to do what I can. You're going to get some traction because guess what? You're, you're actually doing, you're doing God's work right now. You're trying to do the right thing even but you you've got a you've got the great wall of china in front of you and you can only take it out one brick at a time you know what i mean and that's the thing it's like if you had all the money in the world you might be able to take it out in one swoop but without all the funds without all without a huge falling behind it sometimes it just falls flat and you're doing the right thing and there's other lawyers that are trying to do the right thing but they know the same thing that you know and i know it's it takes money for these things. It's not, it's not just a slam dunk. Oh, I file a lawsuit and that's the end of it. There's, there's so much more behind the, behind the scenes. And I didn't even know that. And I'm not a lawyer. I found that out. Yeah. There is definitely a lot behind the scenes, but in the meantime, if you, if you ever even have, uh, I say real life, but in person, uh, groups of people that want to learn more about the constitution. I mean, I'd be willing if somebody just wants to pay the gas money for me to get down there. So I'm not going broke doing it. Um, I'd be yeah. more than willing to drive wherever and, and talk to people, talk to attorneys, talk to freedom fighters, talk to just general Joes, you know, that just want to know what the law is or what the constitution is all about. Um, you know, by all means, keep me as a, a resource. So. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely do that. I mean, I've already been subscribed to your channel. I think, I can't remember. It was either you or somebody else that, that got me onto your channel. And I've been watching your channel here and there. Might not comment all the time, but I definitely am watching because I learned. And this is how I've learned. I've, I learned half of my gun laws from YouTube. And it's not the best way, but you take a general idea of a law and then you source out the law. Then you find all the numbers. You find all the statutes. You find all the, you know, penal codes or whatever. And that's the same thing. You know, the question I asked was, you know, Sometimes you you don't have to take an arrest to try to make that change, but sometimes that arrest will help because you're going to have to go to court for it. And then when the court's like, yeah, whatever, you know, however it falls apart, that's what you have to do. And then you can go forward in trying to make change. And, you know, that's why I was asking that question is because I have, it's in my head and it sounds like a great idea, but I'm going to have to put myself on a chopping block. And, I also have to look at if I get convicted in all this, I'm still looking at 60 days. That's the max penalty, 60 days, $500 uh, fine. So is it worth it for 60 days and 500 in possibilities that I change the wall? Right. That those are, those are, those are my demons right now. Is do I take that chance? Right. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Yeah, and one last thing. Everybody, there's 29 of y'all in this chat right now. Smash that thumbs up before I get off here. I want to see the thumbs up go up a lot more than it is right now.
But other than that, I, that's all I got. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Hello, this is Catherine. How can I help you? Hi, Catherine. It's John Slickemeyer. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So I have a question uh, in regards to, uh, I guess it would fall under open meetings law. Uh, we have a organization here in Butte, Montana, who is a 501c3. Uh, their, their goal is to help the EPA or the residents uh, understand what the EPA is trying to do up here in Montana okay. as far as the uh, hazardous materials that have been dumped here for centuries. And they're having a meeting coming up that uh, I have been pushed out of before. Uh, it, is in a, it is in a public building and is uh, open to the general public. But I have a feeling I'm going to be pushed out of this meeting because of the fact that uh, I plan to uh, audio and video record the meeting. And due to the fact that they are <clears throat> all their 501c3 money, they're all their nonprofit money, mm -hmm. comes from the EPA, from a federal agency then, uh, my understanding of uh, the law for that would be that I have the full opportunity to do so. And I'm looking for a little guidance for when I get my pushback from them on, on, on this. So the it's a little bit um, of a trickier situation because you have some factual pieces involved and then the legal pieces. And so if it was just straight up a government organization, it was the EPA holding a meeting themselves, it'd be a lot easier to make some of the arguments because you don't have, you start on the same factual basis as everybody else would be. But um, by saying that they get their funding, if it's a nonprofit that gets their funding in large part or entirely from the EPA, um, then they should be considered a state actor for um, any kind of, you know, government type of case or situation. Um, but it gets hard because is that a, a known that's, uh, is, is that a fact that's really widely known? Um, if it's not widely known, then you have to figure out ways to have that immediately undeniably uh, available to, you know, be able to address that. Um, you also, you know, encounter the difficulty of, you know, some of the legal aspects are that if it's a, um, a, a truly a public meeting, then, well, you, you have state specifics that really, um, so you have, you might have some federal law if it's EPA related, but then you might also have some state law aspects of open meetings. And I don't know anything about Montana's statutes myself, um, but I would assume that they have, you know, a significant portion of their statutes uh, talking about procedures and, and, you know, the kinds of things that you can expect and, and the rights you have as a member of the public when it comes to public meetings. Um, but what I would say is look at your state law about 
uh, what how they define a public meeting. And if they don't, then then start to look at how does the law define public body or, you know, public in general and be able to figure out, can you then use the, um, you know, the, the factual issues that you have where the funding comes from, uh, can that then fit into the definition of what's covered under the Open Meetings Act or whatever Montana calls their version of the Open Meetings Act? Um, and then what what does your state statute talk about in terms of specifically protecting your rights to uh, record um, or have electronic devices or, you know, do you have the right to live stream? Are you allowed to record but not live stream? Uh, some states talk about as long as you're there and, you know, what you are doing is silent and it's not disturbing others, then you have, you know, essentially unlimited authority to be able to do that. Others uh, might try to have you jump through some hoops of um, getting, you know, essentially a rubber stamped permission ahead of time, things like that. So it, there's really a lot of state specifics. And I was actually thinking about this today. Um, when it comes to this idea of, of our right to address public bodies, there's a recent um, uh, court of claims case, so a trial level case in the state of Michigan it's the trial court level. If, if you're going to sue a state agency, that's the trial court you bring it to. And it was a, actually a Second Amendment case. I want to say Michigan Open Carry and Michigan Re uh, Coalition for Responsible Gun Owners, I believe, were jointly in this case. Um, and what they were doing is they were challenging uh, a House committee meeting that happened where these red flag laws and... Um, uh, safe storage and universal background checks. It's probably the whole package of laws were being pushed through. And my understanding is that they essentially stopped, you know, they allowed all of the pro um, uh, gun control advocates to speak for as long as they wanted to, but essentially silenced anybody who wanted to speak on behalf of the constitution or the second amendment or whatever and essentially violated rights to equal protection, obviously violating um, some um, Open Meetings Act, you know, provisions for the state of Michigan. But what this judge did was he essentially said, well, it's not a typical, you know, it was a, a committee meeting of the whole. And, you know, it was the committee isn't necessarily showing, yeah, they violated the Open Meetings Act, but you know, the the plaintiff hasn't shown that they're going to do so in the future, which is asinine. Yeah, they've already done it. They should, you know, there should be some repercussions so they don't do it again. Um, but it, especially for the legislature to violate the laws. I mean, they're the ones that create the laws in the state of Michigan. So it's it, just doubly mind blowing. But at any rate, um, the whole concept, it's he seemed to really skirt around saying, well, the state constitution doesn't guarantee you the right to speak to your public bodies, you know, during their meetings and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure the First Amendment allows us the right to petition our government for redress of grievances, to um, have the right to uh, free speech and the right to press and all these things combined to say, when you have a government meeting, you have the right to be able to share that information. You have the right to be able to speak on those issues and you have the right to be able to address the body that is acting as the liaison for that government agency or whatever that you really have in your scenario. So I would think there's First Amendment rights supporting that, but what I would really do 
um, because it's not as, although I think the Constitution is on your side, it's one of those areas that isn't so expressly stated so that these government nincompoops would just be, you know, easily confronted with the obvious truth. I would put more of my eggs in the basket of really understanding your state's open meeting, your your, your state specific aspects of their open meeting laws and, and how they define which meetings they apply to and things of that nature. Does that make sense? Or maybe did I miss your aspect of your question there? No, it, that makes sense. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's you, you stepped on another subject straight into, into it. Uh, we've, I've had the same issue uh, with redress of grievances by uh, either the committee of a whole or the uh, regular meeting of, of our council to where they've uh, put a time limit now on us of how much time we can speak, but yet they have never written it into their bylaws that that has there that such the redress is there and yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's just one thing after another up here so i would and, on that point something comes to mind i want to touch on before we move on there so um a friend of mine um i always say his last name wrong but joel ibotson i think i'm pronouncing it wrong but anyway um from barry county michigan he is a, a, a huge advocate for freedom and just goes to all of his local um, you know, health department meetings and county commission meetings, city council, whatever, you name it. Uh, anyway, he, um, so they tried saying that he wasn't allowed to, um, they called it a personal attack. He, there, there supposedly was this rule at the Barry County Board of Commissioners meeting that you're, you're, when you speak for public comment, you're not allowed to personally, you know, verbally attack uh, a member of the board or, you know, a, a government official. And by yeah, attack, I've heard that before. Yeah, by attack, he called the health department um, uh, director a liar. That's that literally is the, the attack. It's not like he was saying things about her, whatever, but just that she's lying about things. She's she's an, a proven liar anyway. Um, and so they've said, well, there's this rule that you can't do that. And so we're going to shut you down during public comment. We're going to argue with you during your public comment time and all kinds of things that they, they really can't do. And so he uh, found a state law in the state of Michigan that said that if they're going to have any kind of, if a public body, if a, if a county commission wants to have any kind of um, uh, rule that they're implementing during public comment time that it has to be put in writing, you know, voted on, put in writing, and then be published and be, be made publicly available. And they've never done that. And they've never, you know, at least there's no proof of that. Nobody can find whatever rule it is that they're trying to enforce upon him. So at any rate, if you encounter, you know, anything like that, where they're trying to create some sort of rules. Now, it's it's a balancing act because, for example, when I spoke at the um, uh, Michigan, uh, excuse me, when, when I went to Tallahassee, much farther away capital than what I used to have when I was going to Lansing. But anyway, when I spoke at the Tallahassee committee meeting on um, House Bill 543, 
the um, supposed constitutional carry bill that was introduced and unfortunately passed here in the state of Florida this year, um, it, uh, not constitutional at all. Anyway, um, I went there with, they didn't say ahead of time how much time you're given. So I think I had prepared a three minute speech about why it was not constitutional, why, you know, what they needed to do to make it constitutional, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it wasn't very long. I mean, three minutes is not that long to address those important issues. Once I got there and they said, well, we have X amount of people that have signed up. And so we're going to bring it down to two minutes. Cut your time. They cut the time. I remember that. Yeah. And then right before, it was like two people right before I spoke, then they cut it down to a minute and a half. And I was like, ah, and I'm trying to red line and cut, you know, whatever. So I could make sure that I said some of the most important things. And in fact, I was cut shy of my last line. That would have been the most important thing for me to say that would have tied everything else together. And that was what I was trying to avoid. But at any rate, there, um, it, it makes sense because that committee meeting, for example, was already many hours long and was continuing. And it was just, you know, I get it. They, they weren't, it wasn't against one side or the other. It wasn't anything like that. It felt as fair as fair could be. Honestly, it felt like they didn't really care what anybody in the public thought that either agreed with them or disagreed with them. But it, it, it makes sense for trying to move a meeting along so that it's not taking 10 hours um, but maybe some of those meetings need to be readjourned to have a second meeting and whatever the case may be. You know, maybe you say the first 200 people to sign up, get their minute, and then, you know, we'll hold a second meeting if we have more people sign up or something like that. So I, I can kind of get it. It's, it's a little bit of a balancing act, but it has to be reasonable as well. It has to really make sense um, given the, the context of how the meeting is running what the purpose of the meeting is, how often do they meet, what's the location, is it serving the entire state and people are having to travel, you know, hours on end to get there. You know, there's a lot of things at play there. But generally speaking, if they're going to have some sort of a rule, it should be something that it's at all precluding your ability to exercise your rights to confront your government or to have your, you know, free speech or whatever is it should be in writing and it should be um, properly voted on by the governing body and it should be made publicly available. Those would be the three common sense pieces I would think that any state would require uh, to happen so that you it isn't it doesn't turn into an equal protection issue where some people are allowed to speak and others are not, or some people are given more time and others are less, or that kind of thing. So I'm not sure. Hopefully that yeah. addresses what you were getting at. The way the, the way the resolution is written, it, you can actually filibuster the meeting. Uh, there's no restriction on filibustering the meeting. Hmm. Interesting. So, it, yes, it's it's quite interesting. But I will let you get going and go on to somebody else and keep up the good fight. Yes. Well, thank you for your call, and hopefully that was helpful. And call back the next time we do this with any further questions that come up. All right. Will do. Thank you. Yes. Bye. Bye. All right, so um, switching screens here. Um, first of all, I see the Liberty Cause was trying to connect with the Constitutional Law Group. Um, the Constitutional Law Group and I go way back. Uh, haven't always agreed, but I do believe our hearts are always in the same place about trying to defend and support the Constitution. Um, and actually, I'm curious uh, about, he's probably gone now, it says he had to go to a meeting, but I'm curious about where the Constitutional Law Group is now. 
uh, I think he was in Texas and then he was in Michigan and then I, I think in, maybe in Florida at some point. But um, anyway, um, for the record, uh, an actual some of these handles are hard to say because then it sounds like I'm just using it as a as a phrase instead of trying to um, give credit to somebody's name on, on YouTube or Facebook. But anyway, uh, the user called for the record on YouTube has commented, unconstitutionality dates from the day of enactment, not from the day branded so in court. Ding, 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 ding. Something that is unconstitutional is unconstitutional from its very beginning. It's not, um, you know, if it's, if it's unconstitutional on its face, let's put it that way, because something can be constitutionally enacted but um, unconstitutional, unconstitutionally enforced, uh, if it's uh, you know enforced unequally, for example. But um, for the most part, when something is unconstitutional, if it's unconstitutional on its face, that means it's unconstitutional today, and it was unconstitutional yesterday. But it was also unconstitutional from the very first day it was put into place, and therefore it was legally void from the first day it was put into place. And so therefore, any ramifications that have come out of supposedly violating such a particular statute or executive order or other government action should immediately be void as well. And as much as I hate talking about a case precedent when we don't need to, sometimes it's easiest to look at that for examples. But Marbury versus Madison goes to that very nature of, you know, the office uh, or the, the outcome or whatever it is is it's as though that was never filled or that was never enacted because if it's unconstitutional from, from the beginning, it's still unconstitutional now. Um, for those of you who are huge Second Amendment fans, love your um, ability to defend yourself, your country, your loved ones, um, I would encourage you to check out um, 2AEDU. He is a good friend of mine and a big uh, freedom fighting advocate. He's in Michigan, but talks about things that are happening all across um, the uh, the country. Um, sorry, the comments just jumped a whole bunch there. Um, and welcome to Press with Rancor. And, oh, shoot, there was another name. Uh, Blue Steel, thank you for joining us today. Um, you have five laptops going. Oh, wait. What? Okay. I, I A lot of this conversation isn't necessarily for me. It's amongst yourselves and that's totally fine. So um, anyway, I, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not missing anything. Um, but anyway, since you're still on Constitutional Law Group, hello. Uh, it's nice to, um, nice to see of you, I guess, um, and hope you are doing well. And I'm going to head over to the chat I have. Uh, looks like Joe, who uh, I'm not going to even try to pronounce your last name because I will not do it justice, I'm sure. But Joe H. on Facebook was um, talking about open carrying firearms um, and, oh, let's see, was saying that I should run for state office. I think you're saying I should run for state office here in Florida to repeal red flag law and get real constitutional carry passed. Um, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I've never wanted to run for anything. I was um, asked to run uh, for state rep many years ago, laughed it off, was asked again, laughed it off, and then God smacked me over the head with it and my husband and I were like, okay, fine, God, if that's what you really want me to do, I'll do it. Um, 
I was later asked to run for um, state party, uh, the state committee woman uh, for the MIGOP. And my husband was like, uh, no, but I did. And I got quite a bit of votes and I was elected to that position. So I was on state committee until the days that I officially moved down here to Florida. And I was also asked to run for Georgetown Township trustee. Uh, did not even do my fair share of campaigning. My cohorts that were also running on our slate did all of that. I was in the midst of the 2020 fight against the governor and figured, well, if, if it's meant to be, I'll be uh, in that election. And in fact, I was the only person in U.S. history to be arrested and then elected on the same exact day. So yes, that's me arrested, then elected, uh, willing to fight for freedom in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, um, so I'm willing to do whatever God's calling me to do. But if somebody else wants me to run for anything in particular, uh, they need to be the ones running the campaign because Florida campaign finance laws are like 10 times worse than Michigan. And I'm not getting into that mess. So um, if somebody else wants to do that and manage the campaign and do whatever, you know, I'll be a candidate walking around talking to people uh, advocating for the constitution, you name it. Um, shoot. I was trying to see the last few comments. It looked like there were some questions for me and the, it just kept scrolling. Um, okay. So, uh, anyway, yes. Um, I was starting to say, guys go to 2AEDU, check out his channel, um, all that stuff. And I think, uh, my brain caught something else on a, on a comment and I started to go off. If you guys haven't already check out his channel on YouTube, I believe he's on locals and maybe Facebook as well. Um, to AEDU. Um, check out um, some of these other guys, though. Um, let's see, what was it? The the Armed Fisherman uh, was on our chat today. And um, uh, Potion, what is your channel? This is a public service. He does uh, First Amendment auditing and, and other freedom fighting things like that. Um, I'm sure there's several more of you that have your own channels and do your own advocacy. And um, I'm sorry if I'm not remembering to say all the things I'm trying to uh, say, but um, can the VA be sued for ADA violations? Uh, that's from Theodore on YouTube. And I would say, thanks, Lori, for sharing to AEDU's channel. Um, yes, I would. I mean, I don't know procedurally. I don't have the whole ADA memorized, but I would say um, if you have, you know, especially if you're a veteran and uh, you're trying to receive um, veterans services, and there's uh, an accommodation that's not being, uh, you know, a reasonable accommodation that's not being granted or whatever, um, then I would say, yes, they could be sued for that because um, they're not exempt from, uh, you know, the public accommodations and things of, of that. Um, this, is, this is the public service. That's the name of your channel. I don't know why I can't remember that today. All I want to say is it's Foshan's channel, but <laughs> Foshan's not in the name of your channel. Anyway, um, and let's see. Um, yes, VA is definitely a disaster in many ways. Um, to all of you who are um, watching right now, who have served our country in some way, uh, I want to make sure to say a very special thank you to you, because our, obviously our country wouldn't be where it is today, wouldn't be anything, let alone what it is today, without people that are taking that constitutional oath and willing to put their lives on the line to defend the country, to defend the constitution. Um, and so anyway, thank you to all of you who have done that. Um, 
Oh, let's see. Um, yeah, so um, if any of you have groups of people that meet for any particular purpose and, you know, you, you advocate for Second Amendment issues or medical freedom or uh, just good governance or police accountability or anything like that, and you would like to have a constitutional attorney to join the, the conversation and be able to answer questions on constitutional issues related to your group's particular focus, I'd be glad to do that. Especially if it's online, that's a lot easier for me. But even if it's in person, um, wherever it is, I'd be willing to go as long as um, you guys were able to help with the travel costs because uh, as an attorney, it, it sounds expensive and fancy, but I just have a lot of student loan debt. <laughs> and um, during the freedom fight, I don't have uh, funds that come in. So by the way, if you'd like to help donate to keep the freedom fight going on this end, uh, I'd love to have your assistance. Uh, you could do so at restorefreedomkh.com slash donate. Restorefreedomkh.com slash donate. Uh, you could donate Cash App or uh, PayPal or Square, you know, credit cards, anything. Uh, we'd love to be able to have, if you want to send a check, there's instructions on how to do that. Um, we'd love to be able to have your help with that. Um, okay. Um, all right. So yeah, it looks like there's still a lot of good comments coming in and questions and different things, not necessarily all for me, um, uh, on the live streams that are going on today. So I appreciate all of you that have joined us. Um, it has been over two hours now for today. The question that I would ask of any of you that are still listening, if you could please let us know this. If you are watching on YouTube, can you please go to my YouTube community page? And um, in fact, I'm going to quick, I hope I don't screw everything up. I'm going to quick try to grab the, um, the link that I have for this. Okay. And I can't actually comment on my own YouTube because of how we're streaming right now. But Lori, if you can hear me, Lori, I just sent you the link. If you can grab that link in our little private chat that we have going on, and paste it into the YouTube chat and as well as the Facebook chat and Rumble. Might as well get it all, all three. But if you guys can do me a huge favor, go to this YouTube um, poll and tell me what times you think would be most beneficial to keep doing these live call-in shows. I would greatly appreciate that because I don't want to be sticking at the noon hour, for example, if most people can't really make it during the noon hour, and it's just not a good time to be able to be most effective with the kind of outreach I'm trying to do. Um, it looks like a lot of people were favoring the seven o'clock time frame, but yet we still had quite a few people calling in and, and joining the chat today at noon. So, you know, should we do one at seven uh, in a month and, and one at noon? Should we do two at seven? Whatever. I want to do something that's beneficial to you guys so that when you have constitutional questions come up, you have a place to be able to call um, and a, a time that's that's a little bit more standard. Um, I do miss just knowing that every noon at Tuesday or every Tuesday at noon, I should say, we were going live and doing the show. Um, I do miss some of the aspects of the regularity of that and everything and trying to just get out the shorter 10 minute videos to help you guys. But um, you've had more viewers on the later shows. Um, yeah, and I, I think I probably have, um, but, uh, at any rate, if you guys can just do me a favor, 
check out that link. Oh, it looks like Lori did get that posted. It's that YouTube um, post link. Go ahead and um, and please fill out that. It'll take you all of 30 seconds to complete that survey. And just tell me what time frames do you think would work best to do these live call-in shows? Um, it looks like um, someone on YouTube is commenting that there are several group meetings that I would greatly appreciate your input on. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, but go ahead and reach out and let us know. Um, you, The best way to reach us uh, is, aside from the show here, is um, if you want to call us, uh, you could call 616-303-0033 or text that number. Or you could go to our website, reach us through there, or send us an email to contact at restorefreedomkh.com, contact at restorefreedomkh.com. Keep in mind the phone number that we uh, display on the screen when I'm trying to get you guys to call in and ask questions. That's not a phone number that we regularly answer anymore. It's something we had for the Restore Freedom petition years ago in Michigan during the beginning of covid um, and we still have the phone number, but we don't regularly check that. We don't check voicemail. We don't answer that. That's We've dedicated that just to this call-in show. Uh, so make sure if you're trying to reach us at times outside of doing the live call-in show, you're calling uh, or texting our main number, which is 616-303-0033. Okay, so uh, I, the contact information, if you go to our website, restorefreedomkh.com, uh, I can't um, myself post. I don't know. Um, some of you might not have heard me um, just mention that the way that I do this, the only way that I have figured out on my shoestring budget, dirty, torn shoestring budget at that is uh, if I'm doing this through OBS instead of my normal streaming software. So I can't type. I can't um, I can't add anything to the comments on YouTube like I used to be able to. So it's either I can comment in writing on YouTube or I could take the phone calls, either one. And I figured, well, it, there's probably more value in being able to take your guys' phone calls and, and do the call-in show. Um, as far as donating, um, we have a question from Ken Rock on YouTube about that. You can donate to restorefreedomkh.com slash donate. If you just Google me, if you Google Catherine Henry, you're going to find my website in some way, shape, or form. I, we just, somebody just Googled me a couple days ago, and um, the first hit was somehow my Twitter account, but it's still me, which links back to my website. Um, I think LinkedIn was one of the first hits, um, my Google uh, Maps listing, um, uh, some other, you know, bar websites. Uh, the Court of Appeals has my Allegan uh, case uh, appeal that those documents showed up. Uh, there's a bunch of different things, but except for the, the Court of Appeals, everything else linked right back to my website. And even the, the pleadings on the Court of Appeals, um, I think my email or our contact information are on there anyway. So um, thank you, Lori. But it is restorefreedomkh, as in Catherine Henry, dot com slash donate. Uh, we'd love to be able to have help doing, you know, we send out a weekly newsletter. I didn't end up sending out this last weekend the newsletter because um, I didn't end up publishing a new, um, new. well, I didn't have a bunch of stuff. I, I usually try to have our freedom fighting tool on Friday and our way to get involved challenge on Wednesday and at least one video, if not up to three videos um, of the shorter content to help with uh, whatever you got going on, it's various legal updates that I find, any surveys or things like that. I try to have that all included uh, in what we do every week. 
and Lori's been uh, not feeling well and dealing with some family stuff. So I've been kind of playing solo and a lot of it in recent um, time. And uh, it's been overwhelming, especially with taking on a new 15 year old to our family after my friend's passing. And so um, there's just a lot going on there. So I didn't get as much posted and I felt there wouldn't be as much value in, in a newsletter. So I'm going to combine that with one for this week. But anyway, uh, we have a newsletter that I pay out of pocket to send out. We have the website, which I run entirely me. I, I do the coding and try to figure out, you know, hunt down CSS this and HTML that and JavaScript and stuff that's really over my, over my head and, and out of my pay range. Um, but I do my best to get everything on there and, um, and there's a cost to all that. There's a cost to streaming, even though I'm using OBS, I'm streaming through streaming, forwarding through, um, Streamlabs and all that other fun stuff. So anyway, if you guys can donate anything at all to help with the cost of all of this, um, that would be greatly appreciated. And like I said, fill out that YouTube survey to tell us what works best for you. The link for the exact survey is right there in the comments. It's on the screen right now. Um, but if you uh, want to get to it later and you can't find it in the comments, if the more comments end up coming through, go ahead, go to our YouTube page. Um, it's youtube.com slash roostorefreedom. Uh, pretty easy to find us there. And uh, go to the community page and then you'll scroll down and you can see um, it's not today's uh, true or false question, although by all means, fill that one out as well but it should be um, the poll I shared um, most recently right before that. So let us know what times work best for you and uh, let us know if you have groups or organizations that you want uh, me to speak at or answer questions for, etc. Um, it's been a pleasure to have all of you join us today and um, we can only do this together. Certainly as an attorney, I'm not going to accomplish crap if I don't have people standing right at my side fighting the good fight with me. Um, but, uh, oh, good to know Rumble crashed. All right. I'm not sure if you mean my live stream on Rumble or if you mean the entire website. Uh, hopefully it's, well, neither, but I guess, uh, hopefully I didn't break anything on my end with my live stream on Rumble anyways, uh, what I'm getting from that. So anyway, it was nice to have you all join us today. I thank you so much for joining us. And I ask for you to uh, continue to let us know of different ideas, different questions that you have that maybe I should do those smaller 10-minute videos on. Oh, the entire website's down. Okay. Um, wow, that's not good. And I'm glad we decided to keep going on YouTube. <laughs> um, and thank you, Amy, for being with us the whole time. Uh, that was awesome. Oh, it got cyber attacked. Yikes. Um, well, uh, and thank you to AEDU for joining us for quite a while today. It's always a pleasure to have you here and um, uh, talking with us and giving us information on all different kinds of issues, probably by the U.S. government. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'll just. Um, and the Liberty Cause reminds everybody to smash that like button on the way out and hit subscribe and notif uh, notifications if you haven't already. So please make sure to do that. Sign up for notifications of our uh, posts through your RSS feed or things like that for our website. Uh, we have that all set up. Um, also, you can sign up for our newsletter if you haven't done so. There's a button at the bottom of our website on every page. It's pretty easy to do that as well. And um, I guess with that, I don't remember. I feel like I'm forgetting something, guys, but 
Um, aside from that, I'll just say it was great to see you guys. And uh, assuming that enough people respond and I get a good inclination about where and when and how you guys want me to keep doing these live call-in shows, I will see you that next time, whenever that may be. Uh, probably leaning towards um, one more time in December, either 7 p.m. or noon, depending on the rest of the feedback. And um, it's been great to have you all. I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon, wherever you are. Thanks, guys. Our work to restore freedom would not be possible without support from people just like you. From the various software and hardware needed to the legal research materials, every dollar you can donate helps. Make sure to like and share this video too. And remember to follow and subscribe and click that notification button. Together, we can restore freedom.